Here at HorrorOasis.com, we are advocates of the horror genre and strive to amplify underrepresented voices in the horror community. This space is for indie artists to promote their work. Please enjoy your stay, and hopefully it's not your last. Spacefaring researchers disturb an ancient horror. An enchanted object curses a grieving widow. A haunted reel torments a film student. A murder trial hinges on a chilling testimony. Howls from Hell. A new horror anthology from Howl Society Press. Stephen Graham Jones calls it quality horror by true believers who can write. With a forward by Grady Hendrix, Howls from Hell unveils the horror writers of tomorrow with spine-tingling stories from P.L. McMillan, Shane Hawk, J.W. Donnelly, Lindsay Ragsdale, Amanda Nevada DeMille, and others. Available now in paperback, ebook, and audiobook from Amazon and most other major booksellers. Howls from Hell. Welcome to Dead Headspace, a part of Silver Shamrock's Horrorcast, a podcast network that includes Killing Time with Silver Shamrock and Unburying the Dead, where we exhume classic horror paperbacks for the new generation. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And the lovely returning guest host, Cassie Daly. Say hi, Cassie. Hi. And today we're joined by returning guest, Haley Piper. Say hi, Haley. Hi, Haley. Five <laughs> <laughs> million people make that joke. I want to do it every time. <laughs> you hold back like 50% of the time, which is admirable, honestly. Oh, I would do it 100% of the time. So yes, definitely admirable. You're uh, you're stuck for for future appearances. You now have to reply with "Hello, Haley" every time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just for those that are uh, have not listened to previous episodes, last time we spoke with Haley, it was actually again with uh, Cassie. So obviously, that's got to be a thing for now on. Whenever Haley's on, and that was episode fifty, which was November first of twenty twenty. So Brennan, actually, you know what? I gotta. I think I'm going to ask, uh, Haley, I know this is a big loaded question, but what have you been up to since then? <laughs> oh my God, that feels like so many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's not much happened last year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see here. Um, just been writing short stories. I uh, finished up work on the recently announced um novel i'll be having uh published with off limits press next year a light most hateful um doing some revisions um some other stuff and uh 
yeah, just trying to trying to keep going. And um, let's see, just had out my uh, new short story collection, Unfortunate Elements of My Anatomy from the Seventh Terrace. We should talk about that today. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I read it. I made sure I read it before this episode specifically. <laughs> oh, and the and the movie. Um, Yes. Worst laid plans. Okay, so I have to tell you something. Last time I was on, I think Patrick had mentioned, like, well, surely there's going to be a movie soon. And I knew about Worst Laid Plans <laughs> then, and I had to just react with nothing. <laughs> oh you did God. it so well. Yeah, you did. <laughs> right. I had. I was like, I have to make sure to mention that when I come back on, oh, now funny. that everybody knows about it. Just yeah. like I what a game face. <laughs> we had no idea. So, Haley, really nice follow-up to this. Uh, we, we asked if there were uh, any uh, people in the Twitterverse who had anything they wanted to throw at you. And um, Shane Hawk sent in a question. He says, hey, Haley, congratulations on your limited Thunderstorm books release. I'm going to echo that. Congratulations. That's really oh, awesome. Thank you. Uh, of Knights, Tyrants, and Terrors. It sold out in less than five hours. This is Shane again, by the way. You have over 50 short stories published and a few books. You have a forthcoming novel titled Queen of Teeth with Rooster Republic Press. Moving forward, do you see yourself pursuing longer fiction as opposed to short stories and such? I mean, right now I'm kind of doing, trying to have it both ways. Um, I, I, I keep having projects I want to do that are longer, but I'm also, I'm always in love with short stories. Um, so I'm going to just try to keep doing both. But it does get harder to do as many short stories as I've done in the past when I'm doing the longer projects too. So it's it's just a balancing act. So uh, a follow-up to that on my end, um, I, I know that you tend to write what and when you feel like writing. I know that you talked last time you were on here about how sometimes you'll just sit down and write something that's completely for you, uh, never intending it to send it off for, you know, consideration. Um, how are you doing balancing what you really want to write with deadlines? I mean, you're, you're releasing so much every year and, um, so much of it is through, uh, indie, but, you know, publishing uh, places that want you to edit by a certain date and, uh, you know, assist with the process. So how are you balancing that? Um, the funny thing is, it used to be that I just kind of just went along and did it and just didn't think about it and just made sure that I tried to prioritize the deadline stuff. Um, but in the last probably since the, the start of this year, I just haven't worried about deadline stuff as much. And I've just tried to go with, go with what I feel, which funny enough has, has left me open to more sudden deadline stuff. If, if the mood strikes me. Um, but yeah, I just haven't been worrying about it as much. Um, there's definitely a lot of deadline stuff that I have to coordinate but as far as what happens when I sit down to write, I kind of am just letting it happen. And um, it seems to work out, I guess. I haven't been late for a deadline yet, but I feel like if I, if I try to balance it, if I, like, if I force it, if I stress myself out, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure at some point I'll get unlucky and I'll be that like student the night before the exam kind of situation, but so far it's been okay. 
with the amount you're doing, I don't see how you avoid hitting that at some point. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to see. Cassie, you want to jump in? Yeah, so, um, okay, so I'm curious about, because you said you liked doing both short stories and the longer fiction, and that you don't really see yourself going into one direction in the future. Um, What are, like, some of the biggest differences you found, like, for yourself personally when you're writing shorter fiction versus when you're doing longer fiction, now that you've got so many of both under your belt? Oh, let's see. Um... I'm definitely up for more experimentation with the short fiction. Like I was already pretty experimental with it, at least for my purposes, but like definitely more stuff like my story in the, um, we are wolves anthology. There's more been more things like that where I kind of just try to let myself do whatever, um, with the short fiction Mm -hmm. and worry more about, a longer narratives like function in in the longer fiction. Um, that said, I have been doing more novelettes this year, which kind of is in between those two things. So I'm getting to experiment a bit while also having those those arcs, the narrative arcs. Do you I'm have- going to weasel out of a real answer for every question <laughs> no, tonight. No, that, that's a really good answer because that gave me another question then. So what's your, because um, I know that a lot of people go back and forth on this. And also if you Google, you can get several different results. So since you specifically categorize some of them as novelettes versus like, I don't know, what, what is it? Like, is there a page count that you go by or like, what's the secret? A, a word count. Um, okay. Like I kind of just go by the Stoker guidelines in some respects and except for novella stuff. because. Um, I think like I've read different different amounts, but like when you get past like seventy five hundred words, then it's a novelette until you hit either fifteen or seventeen thousand, and then you're into novella territory. And then the forty thousand is the line between novella and novel. Um, so that's kind of what I go by for myself. I mean, if I'm getting to a really long short story, then I'm just it's a novelette and. But if I'm writing a novella, then, I mean, I'm pretty much having to set out to do that. Like a lot of my novellas, all of my novellas so far started as short stories. And then it was like, this isn't working or it just got out of hand. (laughs) Um, But I usually had to go back and then start again once I was like, okay, this is not a short story. That makes um, whereas, like that. whereas some of the things that become novelettes, it can be something that was like, I mean, this to be 5,000 words and then it's 8,000 words <laughs> or 10,000 that I got to cut down to 8,000. That's fair. So it's like very fluid. It sounds like, and it's just kind of like, I got an idea for the story. We're going to see where it goes like right. number wise. Yeah. Oh, totally. I think that, um, I think that's the most important thing is to just let the story be what it needs to be. Um, I mean, and I know that's hard if you're trying to do a submission, um, but sometimes that means that you need to write a different story for that <laughs> submission. Unfortunately, <laughs> right. I've definitely been there. And in fact, and like, there's a lot of stuff like, um, like sometimes even r- trying to write it, you find out it's not the right story anyway. Um, like each of, forget if I've mentioned this elsewhere, each of the anthologies edited by, edited by Samantha Koyesnik um, the story that I ended up submitting and that was accepted for each of those was the third story I sat down to write for each of those. 
like there oh. were previous stories for those that I wrote for those submissions that I was like, this isn't it. This isn't working. That's really cool because that, that yeah, I, I think that I, gives me hope. <laughs> like the first I, throw one sometimes out, sucks. I throw out so much. That's, that's why, I mean, that's why like people are always like, you, you're doing so much. It's like, but cause I don't say no to myself. And, <laughs> but that, what that means is I write a lot of stuff that never sees the light of day, either because it was just for me or because I tossed it because it wasn't good. It just, I had to get, I had to work through that to get to the thing that was going to work. I just want you to know when you said you wrote something that wasn't good, I had like this real doubt look on my face that you couldn't see that I was just like, really? I bet it was good. Come on. <laughs> I, I have I have my own personal level of standards That's fair. for That's myself. Fair. <laughs> so, so it's just like if, if tr- just trust me. Us peons, we're I, over I, here just gobbling it all up. <laughs> I, I, I throw out probably a third of what I write Wow. Um, in a year. Like it's just because it's just it's not coming out the way I want it to, or it's just the idea kind of just spiraled or I just couldn't. And I'll, I'll pick, I'll pick the bones. Like I'll definitely take pieces that I was like, Oh, that was a really good paragraph or this was a good idea. Or this was a good line of dialogue and I'll scavenge and they will end those, those pieces will end up in other things. Like I've done that so many times. That's cool. It's like carcasses inside your stories. Yes, exactly. I like it. Good. I love that. <laughs> I love the phrasing there. Absolutely. <laughs> Also, sorry, I, I didn't mean to monopolize the conversation either. I just kept firing questions. You're fine. No, you're fine. <laughs> sorry, I like monopoly. Um, that's what I actually did with the uh, so what I'm, I'm carrying on. <laughs> that's, that's what I did with the uh, Silver Shamrocks Alien anthology. That's I'm I've never heard anyone else say that Haley that they submitted their third piece because I guess we've never really talked about this uh, for a specific submission, and I. I did three myself, and I threw out the first two, so that's really cool. I'm wondering how many other writers uh, actually do that. I'm sure it's more than talk about than people talk about. But uh, I'd like to jump in. We talked about novellas. I would like to talk about a fan favorite, which is The Worm and His Kings, and there's a, a, a specific question by William Sterling, and he goes, In the worm of... in the Excuse me. In the Worm in His Kings, one of the most unsettling partisan characters for me was the Grey Maiden, whose entire vocabulary consisted of saying ooh. I probably didn't pronounce that right. I'm sorry. With different inflections. Where did that demon nightmare fuel come from? And how did you manage to take a single sound, get under my skin so effectively? The same question applies to the empty space. I echo that. That that still creeps me out to this day. Um, well, just to start with the gray maiden, um, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, the reason there's different inflections is because for her, she is saying things. Um, we just can't understand them. Um, I just think that kind of sound is creepy, especially underground. Um, just kind of this long, loud moaning. Like if you heard, if you were in a subway and you heard a foghorn, that very clearly was not a subway train. I just, I think that's creepy. Um, yeah, absolutely. As for the empty place, like that just, that was just taking things that unnerve me when I'm sitting alone. Uh, I used to, I used to stay up later at night. I'm not, I'm not a night owl anymore. Um, but I, I used to stay up very late and, just I just took a bunch of the things that felt like wrong to me when you're up alone and and it's like you've all the only light you have is the one at your desk and the rest of the house is dark 
Yeah, that, ma- that makes total sense. So how, how's the reception been on that novella since it came out? For the Worminous Kings? Yeah. Oh, uh, pretty, pretty positive that I've seen. I mean, um, I can't really say I've been looking at all the reviews. I don't know if I'm supposed to be. Um, but it's it's done well. It's It still seems to be circulating. I, I keep seeing people showing off their copies, asking me, like they're messaging me, asking me questions. Um, yeah, I mean, we're still talking about it six months later, so I guess that's a good sign. <laughs> it's an excellent, it's an excellent book. And and speaking of one other one that you wrote, uh, I just saw the Stephen Graham Jones tweet yesterday. How freaking cool. What was your reaction when you first saw that? I was, I was very excited. I, I knew he had um, purchased it, but you you know, you never know when somebody's going to read or get a, if they'll get around to reading something. So it's very exciting. And um, yeah, I was, it was just, it was neat. Um, I, Cause I, I just read, um, last month i think my heart is a chainsaw by him it's just so full of slasher stuff and you know so um encyclopedic about it and so yeah it was it was cool for somebody who knows so much about slashers and is such an awesome writer to um to give it a stamp of approval and, and that he enjoyed it mm, absolutely uh Brennan Cassidy, you got anything to follow up with I don't know. I so about that specifically, or just a question? No, 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 no. <laughs> that'd be uh, that'd be very specific. I just mean in general. <laughs> okay, no. So I actually uh, back to the unfortunate elements collection. I I wanted to know. So kind of aligned with Stephen Graham Jones's tweet. What did you? What was? What were your thirds, first thoughts when you read Laurel's introduction for your book or her forward? Oh well, I was I was I was over the moon. <laughs> Um, like, I don't think, I mean, I just, I could not have asked for a, for a better, for a better introduction. Um, she's always ambushing me with kind words when I least expect it. I'll just be innocently listening to a podcast that she's a guest on or one of the Ink Heist episodes when she was hosting it. And she'll just suddenly say something. It's like, how do you, do do you know I'm particularly listening to this? (laughs) Um, but I just, you know, we, we've, t- we talked a bunch and we both like the first two off limits, you know, uh, authors for 2020 and it just, yeah, I just started talking to her uh, about, I just asked her if she would want to write the introduction. Um, it should be somebody who feels familiar with work with who you feel understands your work, which I definitely feel is, is Laurel. And just so the, the introduction just blew me away. I was like, I, like this, what a great way for people opening the book to, to essentially like for that to greet them. And, um, just, just, yeah, it was just tremendous. And I really greatly appreciate Laurel Hightower for, for doing that. It was amazing. I read it and I was like, wow, like, like you said, like she really understands your writing and it's just like, yeah, I'm trying not to get emotional. Now talking I'm about sorry. It. I wasn't trying to make you emotional. I just, <laughs> okay. I read it. And I felt emotional reading it. Cause I was like, geez, like this is like a glowing, like incredibly written, like explanation of what you're about to get into and just your writing in general. And it's, you, you sometimes you read forwards and, and they, they, they're about the thing, you know, but it's like, this is kind of, I could maybe apply this to something else too, maybe sometimes. And 
I was reading that one. I was just like, wow, like this is <laughs> this is so specifically like about Haley's writing. I just I really loved it. I thought she did a really, really great job. And it just yeah. I like seeing I like both of you like as writers, like I just love both of your books. And so seeing like somebody I love talk so proudly and happily about somebody else that I love. And I was just like, oh, this makes me so happy. <laughs> it was so thorough that I've I've seen reviews for the collection quote quote her directly. <laughs> and it's, it's yeah. You know, for the my take also to piggyback off of Cassie was that she was just saying basically this is someone I love and this is why you should love them too. And and it was a very sweet moment. Um, that is a hell of a way, like you guys said, to have an introduction. Brennan. Yeah, and I don't think I'm adding anything new to the conversation there, but I you know, I would just say that you know, Laurel is obviously a hell of a writer. I think all of us can oh, agree absolutely. on that. And she is, you know, if, if you were forced to make a list of one of the top three cheerleaders in the indie horror scene, like she's got to be either one or, you know, maybe two. And if she's two, I don't know who's one. She's just so supportive of absolutely everybody. Um, and when, and it's very sincere, it's very genuine. Absolutely. She's not just building you up to, you know, uh, kiss your butt but she's you know she genuinely means that she wants everybody to succeed and you know that's what you want to say that you know somebody who wants everybody to be able to do well who realizes there's room at the table for everyone absolutely she's she's just wonderful let's talk about the art in that in the latest collection how did you did you choose each of uh, the designed for each story um or no. <laughs> um i actually i didn't see anything until it was finished um funny enough um i i i asked i asked who the artist was and i did see um some some of janice blaine's other artwork that i could find um which is all it's it's all very naturey and gorgeous and um then i i saw the unfortunate elements of in my anatomy cover. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is, there's so much emotion. It's so lush. And, and like, it feels like you could, you could fall into it. Um, for the, for the individual story things, I was told what they would be before I saw them, that it was going to be those five, um, images kind of, um, you know, used, used again in between the stories. Cause obviously there's more stories than images. Um, with a couple of them being specific, such as um, for recitation of the first feeding, having the wolves or um, just they're more, I mean, some of them are metaphorically attached to their stories. Others are just kind of placed there because they were different from the ones before and after them, but they I, I love them all. And it's a beautiful piece of cover art. Um, I don't know how close it is to a spoiler to say, I really loved the moment where you, kind of discover um, where the inspiration for the piece of cover art comes in, or if we, you know, name the story, I'll leave that on your doorstep. But um, I think that's so interesting to get, you know, something like 70% in the book, maybe more. And then you, you've almost kind of, if you're, especially if you're reading the ebook, you've almost kind of relegated the cover to the back of your mind. So it's still there, but then, you know, that the, the way you write it, that striking image appears and it just, uh, it makes that connection. I thought that was really neat. Um, were there any other designs for the cover that you considered from other stories or? 
No, it was, it wasn't, uh, I, I didn't actually have a say in that. Um, oh. yeah, it was, it was, it was, but I, I trusted, um, I had trusted Sarah and Rob at the, at the seventh terrace with what was going on. I was like, and they, they picked uh, the story that they felt was most striking in the moment they felt was most striking. And they went to the artist that they felt would best convey that. And I, I think they knocked it out of the park. Um, would, it was so, so it wasn't, yeah, it was never, I, I'm actually kind of glad it wasn't up to me. <laughs> um, cause there's 18 stories in there and I don't know what's going to make the most impact on people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just was trying to put together the best collection that I could and everything beyond that is just like, it's, it, it's going to be up to other people. Everyone's going to have different opinions of stories. Like some people are going to hate a story that other people loved. And it was really, I think it was best that it wasn't up to me for this particular project to, to decide anything about the cover art. I think it just, I saw it and I loved it. And that was what they felt was the story that best captured the collection as a whole and the, and the imagery that did. I think that's a, a success as well. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a particular favorite in the collection? Um, I definitely have a few, but like I would be listing probably half or more of the collection because <laughs> I really, by the time that this, I was putting this together, oh my God, when was it? In February, February of 2020 is when I was like getting this ready to, to submit to places. Um, so by that time I had quite a number of short stories out more that were still like on the ready, on the way to being published. Um, and like they would have, I would have the rights back by the time this released in 2021. Um, so I had a lot to consider. I had like probably over 50 stories to consider anyway. Um, so I had to choose the ones I felt fit together, work together, and then there were a bunch of stories that it's funny, like somebody, I think someone was asking whether unkindly girls was in it. And I was like, I was still writing unkindly girls when I put this, this manuscript together. <laughs> um, so that was impossible, but like I had a bunch of, st- I had, I had plenty of stories to choose from and I really select these ones particularly um, something I read in Laura Morrow's collection um, that they had forget if it was at the in in their acknowledgments or if it was in the beginning but they said you only get one first short story collection um so i didn't want to i didn't want to pile together everything i had published up to that point i wanted to select the things that i felt were representative and connected together so yeah it's hard to say i mean but if i had to just pick two I would say it's the first and last and that's on purpose because those are the most important elements. Like uh, um, Ellen Datlow has been on a couple podcasts. I've listened to her talk about the process of putting together an anthology. And she has said like, that's, that was the most important. Everything else can be rearranged with the first story and the last story you want to be absolutely certain about because the first story is how they're going to come in. And the last story is how they're going to leave. So you want to know that what emotional notes, how you're, how you're, you know, attracting people's attention with that first story and with the last story, how it ends, the feeling ends, that's what you're going to leave people with. So, so yeah, feast for small pieces and recitation, the first feeding were very important. 
That's interesting. Yeah, that's a really. That was probably more than you more than you were asking for. No way. I, that makes. <laughs> I mean, as a reader, I'm interested. As someone who likes your work, I'm interested, and as a fellow writer, because I don't have a collection out, so I'm taking notes myself. <laughs> So, Haley, as far as the first, I, I always like comparing short story collections to albums. And I feel like the first two pieces in here, Feast for Small Pieces and The Law of Conservation of Death, I feel like they just reminded me of when you turn on an album and the first two tracks are just kind of rapid fire in your face, just come out of the <laughs> gate swing. Um, and I loved them both, but The Law of Conservation of Death, I think, was probably my favorite piece in the collection. And it seems so personal so i'll understand if you want to say pass but what can you tell us about that piece um yeah we can talk about it um well okay so just to rewind just very briefly um and thought for with again with anthology and collection construction um although the first and last are the most important and most stuff in between can be arranged in whatever order you do want the first three you, you want to think about what the first three are going to be. Um, so I did choose those two because I felt they were both short and striking. And then the third one, I know you're not asking about it, but the third one I chose because I wanted to make sure people knew they weren't all as heavy as those two stories, um, that there were some fun, a couple fun stories in there too. Um, but, okay, so for the law of conservation of death, there's a couple things to it. There's the there's the literal stuff of feeling like your life isn't under con in your control, no matter what. And I've definitely been there. Um, some, I mean, obviously, you know, I don't have a ghost haunting me exactly. That um, you know of, Cassie. <laughs> I was just I'm um, just trying to be fair to any ghosties out there listening. That's true. Like, that's yeah. true. There's probably there's could be a ghost on this podcast going like just trying to chime in with stuff and we won't give them a, a, a word let them a word in edgewise. Um but um yeah, I mean there's just this sense like, you know, just year after year, reincarnation after reincarnation, just not having not having a say. Um, and just kind of these expectations and this responsibility foisted on you of like, I'm yours, I'm yours. And it's like, I didn't ask for this. Um, on another level, side leader, if I want to cut this <laughs> on another <laughs> level, I do think like there's the literal stuff of it where like, you know, this, there's, this woman is being, stalked by a ghost across reincarnation and there just doesn't seem to be any way out of it on another level as you know a trans woman there is uh, thematically or metaphorically this sense of not being able to escape the past this insistence of things that um you know that you don't want to deal with you don't want to carry around anymore you're you, you know things are changing Things are improving, and yet there's just this lingering insistence by society or whatever else that just the past never goes away. 
Yeah. Not I'd... saying the end of that story is the best way to handle those things, but I don't want to spoil that either. No, but it's, it's, you know, I, I, I don't even want to give it an adjective because I want people to read it for themselves, but uh, it's, you know, I, I loved it. I read it for the first time in January, I think, when I first got the arc, and I went back this week, and I, you know, remembered it hitting me very hard, and I wanted to reread it before we talked, and second time through, just as much, you know, and there's so many wonderful stories in this collection, but I, I, I think that one really stuck with me the most. Um, Patrick or Cassie, do you guys want to visit another story? Um so I just, I don't have another, well, I do have other stuff on other stories, but I'm just going to go on to what you said. So I thought it was really interesting, Haley, that you mentioned the first three stories like that, because so for that second story, it is a really like a powerful, serious story. And I thought one of my favorite things about it is that it's, it's something that I can relate to as a person without ghosts, you know, like outside of horror fiction, there are themes right. and elements to it that as a woman, I can relate to and having shitty exes and <laughs> being in bad situations. Um, and I like that. Like, I like that sort of double meaning in my fiction. Um, and I, I like it in my horror. And then <laughs> you get to the third story and it's so much fun and just like campy kind of, you know, with like the the lingo and stuff. And I just, I really loved that. And I like, I really appreciated it because I was like really somber after the second story. And then I get to the third one and I was just like laughing <laughs> Like, this is such a great, like, change of pace here. Like, this is, I, I don't have a question. This is just cool. <laughs> you can do, like, so many different things, like, in just the turn of a page, literally. Um, I think it's important to have that contrast. Um, otherwise, I don't think the horror hits as much if there isn't some range of emotion. Um, and in the collection, the nice thing is you can do that. Like, with a, with a, longer, with a longer story, for example, like, The Worm and His Kings, I think the kind of heaviness is pretty set throughout. There are a couple like little, little humorous bits like with lady or like Monique will say something kind of like very flat when you expect her to say something else. Um, but overall it's very consistent. You kind of have to maintain that with, with very carefully with, um, with a longer piece, but with short fiction, when you're grouping them together, you know, you get to play them against each other a little bit. Um, and so it, I think the contrast, like that was the point to have like a jokey flash fiction, um, mm. just because of, I think in my opinion, that second story is the heaviest it gets in the collection. Yeah, that's fair. I'm, that's fair I'm just going, I'm just bouncing back with my logic as to, as to why I'm not <laughs> like, like, oh, well, let me explain this to you. Um, but I appreciate that. No, yeah, of course. And I, I, for what it's worth, I think it did definitely work. And it, I think that's something important that, you know, that you, that you know, and that you said you've, you've heard from other people's podcasts and like t listening to other authors talk that the importance of placement for the stories and the emotion in the stories. It's just because if somebody's reading a collection and it's just heavy, 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 heavy story after another, they, they may be all great stories, but I think that emotional impact of the heaviness of each one is going to be hard to pinpoint because everyone's going to be like that. So having a little bit of like that levity in there is really just chef's kiss appreciated by me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I liked how it wasn't, it, it kind of jumped to a little fantasy too. And um, I'm pretty sure it was, wasn't it Elf Bride being the first 
fantasy story that you introduced in this collection? I'm not positive. Let me glance at it. Yeah, no problem. I think so. Um, yeah, that's the first fantasies. I'm sure a couple people would say, I mean, it's, it's hard. Some people conflate things. Like, I don't know if some people would consider the end of I'm not a chainsaw kind of girl mm. to be fantasy. I don't, I don't, I consider the end of that to be cosmic horror. Right. Um, but yeah, Elf Bride, I think is the first fantasy one. But <laughs> that's the story I want to talk about. Um, I don't know exactly how to phrase this. So what, <laughs> And I also don't want to spoil it. So what is it of that? What what can you tell us about that story? I mean, that's another one that I think, I think that's one that's kind of in between. Like there is some heaviness to a couple of elements of it. Definitely the sense of yeah. not being able to, like, I mean, when you're young, when you're, when you're an adolescent, you, you always feel like everything's taking forever. There's things you want and they're not there. And I kind of, I was like, as a kid, I was just also felt like I was older than I was supposed to be too. So there's also that, that older person's sense of regret. And I kind of wanted to capture both of those. So it's kind of one of the stories that's, that has some levity and some heaviness. Um, as far as like, I thought it was kind of, I, I just, I kind of thought it was, would be interesting to, have this, this, um, girl who's just like, yep, I'm going to marry an elf and get out of here. Um, it's, it's not, I think on its, on its basic level, like if you, if you cut out the rituals and the creepy stuff and the, the fantasy, it's, it's not so atypical from a teenager who's just like, I'm just going to meet somebody and hit the road and get the hell out of this town kind of situation, but way more extreme and probably not a great idea. (laughs) Brennan. Uh, so speaking of, you know, stories that are a little lighter than the last one I brought up, uh, one story that I would really love to know where on earth it came from is we all scream. You thought that was a light story? <laughs> well, okay, not, it's, it's, it's not quite as it's okay. uh, emotionally it's okay devastating. <laughs> it's, it's okay if you do. Um, yeah. I, I just, I was just, I was like, oh, really? <laughs> Light in terms of, you know, it didn't hurt my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, Yeah. So, okay. Let's talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Now they've thrown us off completely. (laughs) I want to know where the idea came from. Do you just like hate ice cream men? No, that was the funny thing. So the (laughs) editor for that story, I, I, she, she said, I, I'd, I forget what happened on Twitter, but I said I was going to get a snack or something. And she was like, but not ice cream. And I, I told her, and this was before the anthology it was in came out. And I told her, I was like, well, I love ice cream. I'm, I'm going to get some ice cream. And she's like, oh, I'm surprised. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is going to make everyone think I hate ice cream. <laughs> um, I just, I mean, on the ice cream stuff was a lot of it was just the kind of, um, anachronistic qualities um of the ice cream man himself i just think it's creepy when people talk in an old-timey way in modern times (laughs) (laughs) that might just be me i think that i think ice cream can be gross in the wrong circumstances like on a bathroom floor or like maybe in your hand or i don't know if 
I mean, I don't want to get too much into gross stuff, but like, I don't know who's thrown up ice cream before, but I have, and it doesn't feel right. Oh man. <laughs> I've never done that. What's that feel like? <laughs> yeah, don't do that. It feels like how I described in the story, just this cold coming up and it's just awful. <laughs> yeah. It's we not, can it's, cut it's, that if that's too graphic. No, I think the... you nope. should leave it because anybody <laughs> who's funny. thrown up ice cream, they know exactly like I have thrown up ice cream and that is exactly right. Like reading yeah, that was like, just, Oh my God, this is what it's like. <laughs> it's worse than regular times. Oh no. You know, and you it's know milky me. too, which is just Ugh. that for me, that like just throwing up dairy in general is just the right. worst thing. And then it's cold. So it's like, and it's still sweet, which is the grossest part. You feel like it should be a good time, but it's a really bad time. <laughs> you feel like so, it should be a good time. <laughs> so it's good to know ice, ice cream's only good going down. Yeah. Patrick, yeah I, I have I, homework I, now. I, I like, I don't know. I like ice cream. I feel like that would ruin it for me. Oh, no, it won't ruin it. it Ice cream's good. It, I mean, it did for a little bit, but it's also been a long time. Oh, I just ate it like I, the next day again. I was just right back at it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so the other side of it, though, is um, I wrote this shortly after reading uh, Krista Carmen's collection, um, Something Borrowed, Something Blood Soaked. And something that impressed me, like a lot of things impressed me with that collection. But one of the things that was impressionable for me or something was um, I was reading stuff and I was reading some of her, what she was talking about with it and how a lot of the experiences with it were personal. And I was like, wow, you really had to dig deep to into uncomfortable stuff in your past to, to get into some of this stuff. And I was like, what's something I've been avoiding thinking about. And it was um, a situation in college where I was approached um, when I was alone and uh, think, you know, nothing happened to me, but it definitely was an uncomfortable experience with this man. And um, later I tried to shrug it off and it's like, I was just being paranoid. I was just like, I reacted really irrationally, et cetera. It's, I mean, I know I'm not the first woman to say those things after a word, but thankfully I, I met, I met this, met this other person and they, um, I told them about this. And I was like, Oh, this is so, you won't believe what I, how I reacted with this, this guy. He was like, it was ridiculous. He was this, this older man. And I was being so irrational and, sh and they, they looked me dead in the face, like complete flat expression and said, no, that's not what happened you have instincts for a reason, trust them. Um, and I kind of buried it for a long time after that. But after I, I was like, you know, maybe I should confront this. And, and I did. And, um, and this is nothing against you, Brennan, but that was kind of where my reaction, initial reaction that this was a lighter story uh, came from. Because for me, this, this, we all scream is comes from, a different comes from a deeper place than, than ice cream uh, and then, and then throwing up ice cream. I, I did want to let you uh, say your piece before I uh, officially retracted my comments. <laughs> 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 that's, that's very it's interesting. It's not, like included, it makes... it's not like I included author notes and I did that yeah. on purpose. I thought about it. 
Um, but I decided not to, because I did want to let people have kind of sit with the stories themselves. Um, like I, that's how I write short stories. Like, cause when I read, I write them for people who read them. Like I do, I usually read a short story and I sit with it for a little bit and I wanted to write them, um, for people to sit with afterward. And I wanted them to have their own reactions and stuff, as opposed to me telling them where it came from or what emotions I was pouring it or what baggage I was working out or whatever. Um, so like whatever, whatever feeling someone got from it, it's, it's totally valid reaction. Yeah. I, I love author notes, but at the same time, I'm, I'm also kind of glad you didn't, uh, include them because, you know, I'm privileged enough to be able to, uh, talk to you about the, uh, about the story. So now it's almost like, it, you know, when I go back and revisit it, it's going to be looking at it in a new light, almost like reading a different story to a degree. Uh, Cassie, would you like to ask about another story or would you like to meet, hear me, uh, misinterpret another one? <laughs> oh, no. So I have, I have just a general question. That's probably like maybe other people don't have this question, but I'm not good at things. So how do you say that one in the dance title? How do you say that hey, word? Wh- why did you just say you're not good at things? That's so sad. I do, no. Okay. Look, specifically pronouncing words that I read in okay. books. I'm not great at that. <laughs> or sports. Um, <laughs> Jormungandr. Okay. Okay, because I read that. I remember reading that one. It was, um, I think, published somewhere online, right? Yeah, The Arcanist. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I I remember I read that and I was like, oh man, like that was so good. So when I saw that was in here, I was really excited to revisit it. And I was like, damn, this is like my second or third time reading this and I still don't know what that word is. So I'm just going (laughs) to ask on the podcast. (laughs) And it's funny because it really has nothing to do with what's in the story aside (laughs) from. Um, Jormungandr being like the Midgard soup serpent, um, but it was just the title I wanted to go with. I like it. It, it. it adds a layer of mystery for someone like me who doesn't know what that is. It's just like, ooh, this is like this is a mysterious sort of story title. Here we go. Do you guys I want to question? <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys want to dive into worst laid plans? Because I'm very very eager to talk about that. Yeah. Sure. So, Haley, you said when we started talking that uh, you couldn't talk about it then, but what can you tell us now? I wish I had more to say. It was really just the existence no. of it. I don't, Unfortunately, I don't, I don't, we don't, I don't, don't believe you. I, it's not about secrets. It's just that I'm not working on the movie directly. Mm. Um, they are casting and uh, scouting locations. So that's the stage we're at. This is your first adaptation, isn't it? Yes. That's really cool. And not only did you, uh, for those that don't know, Worsley Plants had a Kickstarter. You can check out earlier episodes. We were kind of, uh, I think it was uh, Nathan Ludwig. I believe it's, without looking it up, that's his name that made it. The uh, commercial that we, or the ad that we had running um, until the end of that Kickstarter. But not only did they hit their mark, but they went over by... I think it was like six thousand dollars something like that that's awesome i mean there's a lot of excitement a lot of fanfare for the book itself there's a lot of excitement i mean there's a lot it's been nominated for a stoker and a spotter yeah yeah that's and i think this is horror award yeah oh wait yeah you're right holy smoke and then sam was uh she's got a i think a splatterpunk nomination for she's got splatterpunk Yep, and for this is horror. <laughs> it's awesome looking at all the nominations. Women are kicking ass. This is great. <laughs> this is a great time to like 
fully this is my second full immersed year in or the third I, I don't know years don't matter anymore but <laughs> exactly this is, this is such a great time to be a fan of this genre I don't know how to say I don't know how to segue, guys. Sorry, awkward turtle. So much it's my it. fault. I didn't have any extra things to to reveal. Like we're slated. It's it's out it's out and about as far as things are concerned. Like like you know what I know essentially um, at this point because like they are just genre blast is and the directors and um, and scriptwriters are now working on things. So it's just stuff's happening. I'm just I'm just I'm just over here writing other stuff. That's that's. That's where I'm at. <laughs> I can't wait to see the final product. And, oh, same. and just one more thing about Sam, like watching her career take off the last year in, in the writing world. It's just, it's such a delight to watch this. It, oh, she's yeah. doing so much. Oh, she but, really is. And um, the new, the next off limits book is coming out. I think mm. two days from us recording this. So it'll already be out when, when people hear it um, far from home. An anthology of adventure horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that people that, should check that out. It'll probably be nominated for something next year, just like Worst Laid Plans. So I'm sure people that. should get ahead of things. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will because it's got a lot of big big names in it too. Love I hear Haley Piper's in that one. Oh, uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, that's probably number fifty for this year. So I was uh, going to get to that eventually, Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> It is cool, though, because, like, one of my goals as a writer, and I think it's Brendan's, too, and Cassie's, is to be on a TOC with you, Haley. Like, it, it's bound to happen for one of us. I've done well, it. Cassie already has been. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, speak no, to Bucket list item achieved for me already. I'm, like, in cloud, <laughs> on cloud nine over here. I've already, I've, like, one life. I've yeah. read the book, too. We Are Wolves. How did I forget that? That is a great collection. <laughs> Right. And I will tell you, you know, I was really excited to, you know, have my story accepted in Pro Iscariot, but that actually came second to sharing a table of contents with Laurel and Haley, if I'm honest. That was, you know, that was pretty cool. Look at me. I, I came very ill prepared and uh, I'm the jackass <laughs> that hasn't shared one with Haley yet. Okay. Someone, someone take over. I'll I love over. Patrick. I love when you Here, say something that's thing, wrong though, and then you just sit there after for a bit and you're just like, oh, fuck, I did it again. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, what, I, what I love about that comment is you said nobody has when, in fact, including you, everybody has. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 the campfire will come, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not. The best part is, is I'm not cutting any of this up. Oh, so everyone's going to know what a jackass I am. <laughs> Come prepared, Pat. <laughs> this is the last thing I'll say to you guys on this episode. I will shut the hell up. Oh my oh god! <laughs> it is true, though. I mean, like once or twice. It's it's you know, if if you're yeah, ill prepared all... to talk, yes, that's that's <laughs> terrible. But if you're ill prepared to talk about yourself, man. <laughs> so to set the record straight, all three of you have been on a TOC with me. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, we did it! Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. I, I, I just have a, a noodle brain with a hamster running on a wheel that gets tired. He's out of shape. I, you know what? I'll take us in a new direction. And uh, Haley, this is another one. If, you, if you'd if you like to pass, uh, that is absolutely fine. But I was hoping you would be willing to talk about your, 
I can't think of a better word than evolution as a writer in the LGBTQ community, specifically in regards to uh, kind of your confidence. And, you know, in, I feel like really in the last six months to year, you've become very outspoken. And I really mean that in the best way uh, in terms of, you know, both making horror queer as fuck and every other thing you can do to bring more voices to the table. Um, say anything you want about it. Um, let's see. Uh, sorry, I got to think back now. Um, I mean, definitely there's been a difference in confidence with it. I think that hit probably the start of 2020. Um, it, if you look at Teapot, or I shouldn't say that because people get confused now, The Possession of Natalie Glasgow, my first novella, um, the main character, Margaret Willow, is a gay woman. She has a partner, but it's I cut out almost all the references to that before publishing it because I wasn't sure how people were going to feel about it. And I was, you know, I hadn't had anything published yet. So I was feeling exposed and I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Um, funny enough, only two months later, The Burning of the Blueberries was published and that's much more overt about it. Like complete, complete 180 as far as their maybe light switch flip some kind of analogy of that nature um, in, in regards to how openly it is about being a queer story about a queer character. Um, but so yeah, over time, like then you have Benny Rose where I have, you know, um, Desiree is a gay character, but she doesn't really have a relationship and mainly it's expressed through, you know, some comments that are not pleasant from her friend, Jesse, and then somebody who's not her friend and like, you know, a couple other characters, um, just kind of like picking at her for being queer coded. Um, but yeah, there's definitely been, um, more of the short stories. I think like I've been writing this stuff. It's just a matter of when it gets accepted or when it gets published um, and whether it's visible. Um, and that's one of the nice things with this collection is that I could put a bunch of those together um, and just kind of be like, yeah, this is this is queer horror. There's a bunch of it in here. It's a, It can be as casual as the main character from I'm Not a Chainsaw kind of girl, but being bi or it can be as overt as stuff like we all scream and, and burning of the blueberries and such, um, or, or demons of particular taste. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really just a matter of doing it more and just being like, well, in my real life, like not my real life, I shouldn't say that my personal life, I'm very, I'm not shy about it. And, um, I was like, well, my fiction is an expression of myself. I haven't really been as shy about that either in the last year or year and a half. But yeah, so when things have come up online, I've just been like, I kind of realized a lot of people look to me with that kind of stuff. It was funny to talk about some things because and for a bunch of people, they didn't realize Clive Barker's gay until I mentioned it. And that just seems strange to me because it's like, have you seen Hellraiser? Um, <laughs> have they have they read the novel? Right, and it's just like, um, but for being being more serious though, there's just there are things that people don't know, and 
although like I have good friends who like Laurel, for example, who, who jump in and they'll say to me, like, I know you don't need to do this emotional labor. I know you shouldn't have to do this emotional labor, but really appreciate your patience with people and, and being willing to, to, to guide them. And unfortunately that sometimes leads to people being jackasses too, but I just, I try to keep a level head with all of it. Um, and yeah, I just, I think 2020 kind of just did something as far as how much I cared as far as like level of restraint is the best way. Like I didn't, I didn't, I stopped saying no to myself with a lot of things. Um, when you all get to read queen of teeth, you'll see what I mean. Um, it is explicit. And, um, huh. Can we read that? <laughs> Sorry oh, um, I mean, no, I mean the hardcover, like I know the hardcover pre-orders will go until the end of June and then there won't be any more hardcovers. Um, and then the paperback will come out late this like third, fourth quarter this year. They, they're not announcing the date until summer. Um, huh. but, um, yeah, when, when that time comes yeah and just stuff with next year i mean that was my whole thing with death's head press for the splatter western song of the horned hair um it's just i'm coming in there as a queer author and it's just um i hope they'll be okay with me saying this but like they pretty much told me do whatever the hell you want with this being like you know you're a queer author you're coming in doing spirals whatever you visualize for this do it and that's how i've been handling myself as well as just like whatever i want to do do it. so i guess a better answer to your question much earlier in the podcast cassie about how i'm balancing the stuff that's for me versus the stuff that i'm sending out or publishing or whatever i don't know if the line is blurred now there's less of the stuff that i'm having to keep to myself and more of just pushing that out and being able to sell it and being able to get it published and being able to put it in front of readers' eyes. And I think, I think readers are ready for it too. I think that they want to see these different kinds of stories, different voices. I think they're ready for the narrative differences that can make not just having a queer character in, you know, what would be maybe like just any story, but thematically and, you know, conceptually like the worm and his Kings is, um, where the the very the very substance of the story is is driven by this queer nature. Um, so I think I think it's a balance of the fact that people are ready for it, that I'm ready to give it, and that I'm just I'm not saying no to myself anymore. I'm not apologizing for for not saying no. And I think a lot of us could could do with giving that gift to ourselves in many contexts. Amen to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hell of an answer. Um, so you know, I, I <clears throat> appreciated the, the part where you said that, you know, among other people, Laurel will reach out and say that, you know, she understands that it can be emotionally compromising to constantly have to go to battle just to, you know, be yourself and, and stuff like that. So I realized this is a... Um, I guess personal question, you know, everybody probably has a different answer, but 
in your opinion, what's the best thing that allies can do to try and lessen the strain on people from the LGBT community uh, having to constantly uh, stand up and, and make those declarations? Well, there's there's two things I would say. One is to, of course, amplify those voices. Um, the other is to make sure that they're that we're not the only voices, because it's it's one thing, and even if you have to pretty much just like rearrange the words or whatever, but you're saying pretty much exactly the same thing, and that's a good thing because we we do know ourselves, and but it, it does help when you know, someone who's not, you know, in the queer community speaks up for us because the thing is the, the people who have problems with us are going to listen to someone more like them than someone like us, um, first, or at least it'll tell them that they are more alone in hating us than they think, or not even hating us. Sometimes it's sometimes just this weird annoyance like the idea that you know my wife and I holding hands is somehow shoving in our in their faces when you know two other people can hold hands and it's not considered a problem um I went off on a tangent there um but it really is just making sure that we are not we our voices are able to get out there and that we're not the only ones saying these things and I think one of the the things with allies, and this is for any demographic, the allies towards that demographic are afraid of, of making a mistake. And I don't think that someone should be because sometimes making a mistake is the only way you learn better. Um, otherwise you can just hold a misconception inside. So like if an ally says the wrong thing, I think the best thing to do is to, to, you know, just, if someone says, Hey, that's not exactly right. Just to listen and accept it and, and understand that like you, if you're trying to make things better, that involves some making mistakes, but that's because that's how you improve. It's like with writing, you don't just, you don't get better at writing by just sitting there. It's like, I'm going to write something perfect. You make mistakes and then you get better. It's the same with anything, including helping, helping other people. That's a good analogy. I get nervous and I'm going to say the wrong thing. And, I mean, you guys heard me earlier. I say stupid <laughs> shit all the time. Like, I'm just like, just to just to paint a picture. You guys know me. I'm a big silly bastard. But like, in to to random people, like me and my wife were at a stand up, uh, watching a bunch of stand up comedians. And one guy, one comedian, just like locked in on me and said, "I looked like I'm a, I was gonna kick his ass." And my wife was laughing, not because that was funny, but she's like, "He he's a fight. He'll get his ass kicked." <laughs> and, uh-huh. As a very large white straight dude, like I, I get nervous sometimes. So that actually, I gotta thank you. That that's really reassuring that you just said that because uh, I didn't, I, think, I didn't like feeling that. So that's all. I, I think. Got. I think if if you're absolutely like I just do not know what to say right now, then it mm. is okay to regurgitate what someone else has said who mm. who you feel like is more knowledgeable. I really don't think it's a problem. Um, because it's one of those things where that you have all these, like this stupid gender critical crap. And it's just like, you know, we know ourselves 
And so we, and we know the situations that we're in. And I'm not trying to like get on a soapbox with the podcast or anything. We're talking oh, no. about horror fiction, but no, it's just, good. you know, it's, is if like, if this is a person that you like, you feel is knowledgeable about this stuff, then it is okay. You, you want to check stuff. You don't want to like, I, I'm going to get way off if I keep going. So let's just probably stop there. <laughs> I, you know, Haley, I kicked the soapbox over to you and said, if you're comfortable, stand on it. So, you know, That's whatever true. you want to say. I just don't want to get too into like current events and things. And just because I will just start ranting and all that stuff. And like, I really don't want to get into that right now. <laughs> but I think I think that's a general response. I think I think that all works. Yeah. No, I, I really you know, appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I apologize if this sets you, if this puts you back up there. But, you know, when when I asked what allies can do, you know, part of it is just confronting people who are hateful or uh, fearful or, you know, I, I think I think the word you used was annoyed. Uh, apologies if it wasn't. But uh, uh, but, you know, part of it is just some of the neanderthal legislation that that you see and you know it, it there's you know i have friends in this community you know it always i always think of gabino iglesias uh will always say it's hard to get along with people that bring that hateful view it's because you you hate my friends um right. and to look at some of the legislation that people are trying to pass and to say what what can I do as a resident of like Massachusetts? What can I do that that Florida is doing this nonsensical piece of shit? You know? Yeah, and and that is a hard that is a hard question. And, and when I and like, okay, I'm gonna get into this. Uh, do it, uh, Haley, with, Haley, with, Haley, with, Haley. When I say regurgitate, you do want to make sure it is something someone that you can trust because, for example, as just went on with this week in relating to the legislation that you're mentioning, Brennan. Um, there are probably a lot of people who will think Caitlyn Jenner is a good source of information because she's a trans woman, but she sucks and (laughs) she does not speak for the rest of us. And so when she says all these terrible things and is supporting this terrible legislation, she's not saying that from the point of view of a trans woman. She's saying that from the point of view of a rich person. Mm. So Mm -hmm. that's, where I'm going to be on that because like, so you do want to make sure it is somebody who has good intentions as well, but it, and it's hard. I understand it's hard. It's hard to navigate that stuff. Um, and the best, all you can do is do your best, but I think doing your best is better than doing nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Cassie, do you have anything you'd, uh, you want to throw in there? No, I just, I, I mean, I just agree with everything that Haley said that if, if you're trying and you're doing your best to, do your research and look into what you can and, and hold yourself accountable for mistakes that you will undoubtedly make um, because everybody makes them and it's just part of learning um, and just keep trying. Like that's just, I think a lot of people sometimes get told that something they're doing or have been doing in the past is, is wrong or problematic or hurtful. And sometimes people don't like to be told that even if you're not coming from like a mean or angry place, you're just trying to like, I don't know, get them to do better. Um, so I think it's important that even when you're getting in those times where you're just like, ah, oh, this doesn't feel good to hear this sometimes, it's really important to push through that and just growth is not always easy and, and neither is change and neither is doing the right thing. That's my own soapbox. I'm done. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's all right to get in a soapbox. I mean, that's what good stories are. You telling something with passion. <laughs> it's seriously the, 
the, you know, go back to any of Haley's stories. That's they're powerful for a reason. Or talk about the collection that I know for a fact you shared with Haley Cassie. <laughs> we are <laughs> so I I kind of want to talk real quick about one other thing that's attached to worst laid plans. It's uh your um is she, I I don't know if she's an agent or a, has a different title, but Carmen Wells, uh, your rep, yes. I guess. Is it is she? Film. She's my she's my film and TV uh, agent. She okay. represents she re- represents film and television um, licensing and rights with any of my uh, my IP. And uh, you know uh, she I know she's got Cena Palio too, doesn't she? Yes. That's awesome. So that's two rock stars right there. How when did that happen? Because I was actually unfamiliar until I was doing a little bit of research recently. Um, I knew that Carmen was the editor, of course. Uh, she's one of my favorite editors. She's fantastic, but I didn't know she. Uh, I didn't know she was an agent. Um, I'm not sure how recent that is. Um, that she's working with the Rights Factory, but yeah, she's the she's um, the film and TV representative there. Um, it's pretty recent. Um, we, we discussed it a bit. Um, we discussed different works of mine that might be good for possible um, adaptation, which I can't, I can't t- name anything right now. Of course. Um, but yeah, so after we discussed it a bit, um, you know, we made the agreement and stuff. And so we've been talking since then and um, just different things are in motion that I still can't, I can't discuss, <laughs> but at least I can tell you that they, that they exist. So that's better than what happened last time I was on. Well, that's okay. That would just true. Give, give us another reason to ask if you would like to come on a third time. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Brennan, I'm kind of leaning towards upcoming projects, even though we've kind of tackled that. Uh, but I don't want to um, take the conversation in a different direction. If you were Cassie, have something else to talk about, Cassie? First dibs. No, you guys. I you, I literally just build off of whatever's happening. Okay. I'm like a go with the flow type of person. I'm <laughs> like, so what, where I want to go next go. deals very much with upcoming projects. So oh, you know, sweet. you mentioned uh, "Song of the Horned Hair." I was I was curious whether uh, the idea of writing a, a western or a splatter western was something you'd been kicking around for a while, or if you just you know saw uh, Jared making open call and said, I want in. Um, I ha okay. So when I was in college, I was obsessed with spaghetti Westerns, um, like Sergio Leone movies, um, like the dollar trilogy, the, um, Oh, what's the one I really like once upon a time in the West. Um, I haven't watched these in a while. I will say that. So I don't know if I would still feel the same, kind of like holding on to all the feelings I had for them, like, you know, uh, 12, 15 years ago. But, um, but I love those and I loved, um, how they did things differently than American Westerns. And so I had wanted to do a Western for a bit, but it was, it was something that was so far on the back burner. I just wasn't thinking about it anymore in the slightest. Um, and so, yeah, when the, when the call went out, um, I contacted them and they seemed happy to hear from me. And we just, I kind of just went off with an idea that just, just came to me. And, um, 
And it was just, it was just like, okay, well, if I'm going to do whatever I want, then this is what I want to do. And they seem good with that. So um, I don't know if I can talk about what it's about yet. It's, it's kind of a little bit of folk horror in the splatter Western. Um, nice. So we'll see. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be weird. I'm <laughs> get that out, out front right away. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's, and it'll be queer and everybody expects that at this point. So I'm not, <laughs> not really shaking the, shaking the earth with that statement. <laughs> yeah. When we had Jared on, he, we uh, talked a little bit. I can't remember how long we discussed this, but we were talking about the new wave of uh, the splatter uh, punk westerns. And we specifically talked about you and Shane. I can't remember anyone else at this point, but Shane Hawk. And um, yeah, he seemed really excited. And I've I've been following Jared and, and Patrick's press since they first came out on Facebook. And they're, they're just... They're super nice guys. I'm pretty sure they were the first publishers that actually gave me um, personal feedback for a rejected story. So you don't forget those people for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've, I mainly talked to Jared so far and he's been, he's been very receptive. He's been really good with stuff. So I'm like, I'm excited to be working with them. Um, and it's exciting seeing all the announcements and stuff with them. Um, God, what gorgeous cover art! Yeah, Justin T. Coons. He's oh my he's god, amazing. He's so good. Every time I see him, he posts. I'm like, holy shit! You did that with paint? What? Like, <laughs> what are you and doing? It's every it's time, so good. It's and they're so colorful. They're gory yeah. and colorful, dude. Like, oh, it's my. I don't know if he's ever going to listen to this, but if you are listening, my friend, you are so good. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> uh, I do know that he has listened to episodes in the past, but. I'll, t- you know what? We I'll have talked about I'll keep my fangirling to a minimum. But no way. I just Jeez. really like art, especially colorful, gory. That's like my favorite thing. And it's just, they're so good. Every time I see one of them, I don't even have all of those books, but I'm like, I would buy them all as posters and stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's really like a lot of horror covers can be very dark and singular. And it's just like the color spectrum yes. of those, of those. And yet it's still, it's like, it feels epic, but it still feels like horror. Yep, exactly. Okay, um, I didn't want to interrupt. So I was going to say... All just, we all just, we all just, just like, let's take a moment of reverence. We're, I know, yeah, I, we're, we're I had a really loud outburst about it. Suddenly, <laughs> just like super excited and loud. No, that's great. <laughs> Cassie, just, uh, you know, try to get him on the show so all of us can talk and be like, hey, so you're amazing. That'll be the whole Why talk. am I tasked? I don't know him. I just... I mean, I think we follow each other on Twitter, but that's like, that's me fangirling and being like, look at this cool artist following me on Twitter. <laughs> Both are very colorful. And he said he'll throw up if he comes on. So I tried. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's not ice cream. Oh, no. Throwback. So, uh, Haley, I'm pretty sure we've already talked about all the upcoming projects, but. It's you, so like I still gotta ask. Do you have any upcoming projects that they haven't talked about yet? Oh my god. Um, let's see. I mean, so I this is the thing with the 2022 projects. I I can't really talk about them a bunch um, because the pu- if the publisher hasn't released a plot synopsis, then I'm just like, oh, I don't know what's okay to mention. Um, but like, yeah, so A Light Most Hateful will come out in April next year. And then Song of the Horned Hair will come out 
you know, TBA late 2022. And then, but, um, and then, but before all that is queen of teeth coming out later this year. And, um, I'm really excited to see what people think of it. Um, I, 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 you know, every time I'm finishing up a, a long fiction project, I'm like, Oh my God, this is so different in a bunch of ways. And I don't know how people are going to feel about that because like, I'll see sometimes like somebody who adores Benny Rose hated worm and his Kings, for example. Um, or, you know, just that kind of thing. And I'm just, so I never know like whether like somebody's going to like, Oh, I love this Haley Piper book. I'm going to go into this next, this new one. And then just not, not enjoy it. But I'm like, yeah, but the story has to be what it is. And it's like this, this queen of teeth will be my first novel. Um, like it's the longest, it's, I'm going to say it's the longest book because, because I think if you call of night tyrants and terrors, the longest it's cheating since it's like four books in <laughs> one volume. So queen of teeth is the longest book so far. Um, and it is body horror. It is kind of a horror romance. It is sci-fi horror. It is, um, heavy. And it's like, it's that balance thing with like, there's heaviness and there's humor. Um, I pretty much just very much said no. Like I said, I stopped saying no to myself. And so every point where I got, it's like, is this too weird? Is this too much? I just was like, no, just do whatever you want. And I just did (laughs) pretty much filled. I've said this to, I've said this to my wife and I've said this to other people. I pretty much filled a bucket with my personality and just dumped it into this manuscript. (laughs) And that's queen of teeth. And, um, I'm really, I'm just, I'm really excited to see how people respond to it. It's going to be very interesting. You know, I don't know why, but I, I get, I guess it's cause I just finished it, but I just finished Goss of Filth by, uh, V Castro and Queen of Teeth just sounds like the perfect pairing with that title. <laughs> yeah. Is, is it just cause they both have of in it? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? Cassie, My- you know that. My wife just made fun of me for that because she's like, oh, yeah, it's another book of yours with of in the title. (laughs) I like Um, the way she thinks. (laughs) Yeah, I've got to I'm going to have to mix it up when the next time I next time I come up with a title. Um, um, And then as far as short stories are concerned, oh, my God, um, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get my brain on right for this. I've got. Um, I just had a story out in Dark Matter magazine, um, The House of Shapes, in issue three. And I'm going to have another story, um, Queen of the Cloven Heart, in their Halloween issue. Nice. uh, In October, obviously, I guess. Um, Let's see. I'm going to have stuff in Far From Home that's coming out in, you know, this month. Mm I'm blanking on titles. Him, Hymns of Abomination, the Matthew Bartlett um, tribute um, anthology, um, Americana or Dia- Diabolica Americana, mm-hmm. I think is the title, and um, and some other stuff. Like I'll be announcing on Twitter as things as things happen. There's, there's this summer is going to be a bunch of short stories. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be busy as far as that goes. Awesome. Real quick, um, I want to throw in: we were talking about uh, you know bright, eye-catching artwork that also screams horror. Uh, the cover that Nicholas Day did for Queen of Teeth is just spectacular. I love it. Oh my god, he 
like the oh my god the the pink is just ascending me and just like it just it has this her face has such the perfect expression and then just all the surrounded by the teeth and on the back cover all the tentacles and stuff and it's just like oh this is this is exactly right it's it's just it it perfectly captures the spirit of the book I love it so much. I can't wait to read it because I saw that cover reveal and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to love this book so much. Like, I'm so excited. It's amazing. Um, You know what? I forgot to mention early on for listeners that are interested in buying, uh, not buying, in uh, getting your name in the hat for a chance to get Haley's recent collection that we're doing a paperback giveaway courtesy of Haley. Uh, yeah, I looked at my notes. I'm like, hey, I didn't uh, mention that. So, <laughs> where this uh, when this episode airs? Uh, so today, um, if you're hearing it when it's first out, you have three days to uh, enter your name, and we will pick a winner on that third day. And uh, if you give us a name, you can have it signed to you. Uh, that's courtesy of Haley Piper. So that's exciting. Just gotta stay. Uh, on our Twitter page, that's dead head, uh, dead underscore headspace for more information. Now, um, guys, you got anything else before we go to where can people follow you? Are we? Wait, are we? Is this pre-final talk? thoughts? Yeah. yeah. Are we, first of all, wait. Are we going to do the book part where we all talk about books? Yeah. Wait, that uh, was that was really vague considering the podcast itself. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> I mean, the wrap up, like what we're reading. No, I understood. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't write that down. He's making Sorry. up new sections again. So He's no. throwing me off every no, time. No, no, I didn't write it. Okay, look, <laughs> I don't know what you call this, but like when I think I write all the notes down, sometimes my words won't be spelled correctly or they won't ex- exist. I don't know why. <laughs> it's not dyslexia, but it's something. Don't, don't worry, Patrick. I'm I'm going to be on the Pike cast with Cassie soon, and she can hear how out of order I got all of my notes for the book that we read for that. So, like, yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be going all over the place there. I'm so, so excited. <laughs> that is a great chance to talk about the Pike cast real quick. Cassie, do us the favor of just telling us about the Pike cast, what it's about, who's involved, about how great it is. Yeah, how <laughs> great it is. I appreciate you all. Um, the Pike Cast is a Christopher Pike book club podcast that I have with two of my friends, Cooper and Becca. Um, we've had it for, in a few months, it'll be a year, I think. Uh, oh, maybe wow. like four or five months, which I know is like almost half a year itself, but still, I'm like getting ahead of myself and excited. Um, and we've had a bunch of really great people on it. Um, like Kaylee said, we're going to have her on it soon. And I'm really, really excited because the book that we're reading is one that I, I don't think a lot of people like, <laughs> but it's, it's one of my favorites. The- Perfect book for me to I'm end up so reading, glad. though. Yeah, nice. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And I can't wait to talk about it. Um, so, yeah, if you're listening to this, you might like that. It's it's more about a specific, you know, author, but it includes a lot of notes and stuff and just a lot of random shit talking just about random things, including milk. I talk a lot about dairy and how much I do not like it. So <laughs> if that's your jam, come hang out with us. Was that a good enough plug? Am I done? Is that it? I never realized <laughs> how much Cassie Cooper and Becca sounds like the trio of protagonists from a YA novel. <laughs> Holy That's shit. True. Someone's going to write that. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to look through my notes to see when we had the podcast on and I can't. I'm not fast enough, but uh, I, it hasn't really been a year. 
I think almost in like five months, you know, so I'm, I'm look, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting excited. I've got to prepare. We're, <laughs> we've been around for like six months now, which is basically a year. Y'all come on. <laughs> That's basically. It five feels years. like longer though. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know. I feel like I've been listening to it for a long time. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe time doesn't make any sense anymore. It doesn't. After yeah, last year, no, it doesn't. Just there are only podcasts and TV shows and books now. That's all. <laughs> it's really, fun. it is a good show. Um, so far, uh, two of the three people on here, except for Cassie, have or will be on that show. I know. Brennan, you, when you... you sure you want to throw that math around again? I, I was going to say, I had to like double check it. No, but he he is right. Once Haley's on it, he's, he's right. And Brennan, if you ever want to read a Christopher Pike book and come hang out with us, you're more I, than I'd love to if you have any left. Yeah, we have some. Uh, I have to check with Cooper because he's the one who, well, we both have the spreadsheet, but he's the one who's like, I've already reached out to four people about these books. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, cool. So uh, I'll double check. Sign me yeah. one. I'm not picky. That's what we did. I think we did that with Pat too, didn't we, Pat? You guys let me pick, and then I picked one that was already chosen. So then I picked oh, one of the right, cover. Right. Yeah, and then and I think, then, Haley, I gave you a list, right? You gave me three, and I'm really glad I chose the one I did. So. Me too. I'm so excited. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I should probably cut that. I don't know if everybody needs to hear my podcast planning, but yeah. I will only cut that if you say cut it. If not, I'm keeping it. I don't care. You're welcome. Haley, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are you currently reading? Nailed it. <laughs> Did was no, I asked a question? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, he did it with see. no segue. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, oh. I was still, I was, yeah, sorry. I was, yeah. Was um, let's see. <laughs> let's see. I'm reading Ghost in a Black Girl's Throat by Calissa Ray, um, which is a poetry collection. It's excellent. Um, I actually finished it. I'm kind of going through it again. Um, and um, let's see. I'm. I just finished Children of Chicago by Cynthia Paleo, nice. um, which was also excellent. I'm getting lucky with my books lately. Um, oh, what am I? And I'm listening to uh, the audiobook for. Um, let's see. I just finished listening to Hidden Bodies by Caroline Kepnes, um, which is the second U book. And then I'm reading. What am I? Ring Shout. Um, I don't know how to pronounce the author's name though. Uh, and I don't want to fuck it up either. <laughs> Let's just, um, just say Clark. Uh, I think it's Jelly, Cl- Jelly Clark. I'm so sorry. You can spell it if that's easier. That's what I do. I cheat and spell things if I can't say it. <laughs> D-J-E-L-I Clark. I have that one. I think I just got that one for my Kindle. Yeah, it's it's great so far. Um, I honest, that's one I'd love to see uh, adapted into a TV show or a movie. Definitely. That was the only one, the only novella that was nominated for uh, this is horror novella award that I hadn't read, and the rest of that category was so unbelievably strong that I feel like I I have to go there now. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. You should definitely read it. I will. <laughs> Cassie, what are you, what are you currently reading? I was reading? so serious. You know? <laughs> well, I will. It's like hey, undertaking this important mission in life. <laughs> Sorry, what happened? Oh, I said. <laughs> apparently, I'm really bad at asking people what they're reading tonight. So I was I was throwing it to you next. Oh, okay. 
Um, so I just finished Haley's collection like 30 minutes before we recorded this. So I had four books on my to-do list this week and that was one of them. Um, and it was really good. Obviously I loved it. So there's that. Um, and then also I'm reading Goddess of Filth by V Castro and then, um, Shelter for the Damned by Mike Thorne, which I started a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I read it before bed and I started having like weird dreams and I'm like, my brain sometimes is wild. So I do have like really vivid dreams and I, I, this is extra. You can cut this if you want, but I've been like going to this dream world since I was a little kid that I call the other place. I named it when I was a child. So forgive me that. Um, but his story started getting into my other place dreams and it was weird. And I was like, there was like a shed in my dreams. And I was like, I don't think I should go to that shed, but I was like, yeah, I should go. It was weird. It was so strange. I was like, I'm not going to read this before bed anymore, guys. Like I'm, I can't do this. It's too creepy and I'm getting spooked out. And I told Mike that I know. And I told him and he was like, I want to hear about those dreams. And I was like, they're creepy, but okay. (laughs) Um, So, but aside from that one, and then I'm reading um, things have gotten worse since we last spoke by Eric. I don't know if it's La Roca or La Roca. Do you guys? I believe it's La Roca. Laraka, okay. Um, he's fabulous, and I love his book. So I'm really, I when I got this one, I was like, oh my god, like this cover is incredible, and I'm so excited to read yes. this because I just read the poetry, um, Fanged Dandelion. Mm-hmm. So I was really, really, really excited to get this, and when I got the advanced copy, I was like, yes, oh my goodness, thank you so much. Um, and I started it immediately, but I've been trying to like recently I've been trying to slow down and not like binge read five novellas at once <laughs> in, in like a day. So I've stretched that one a little bit um, and I'm going to be finishing it tomorrow. So it's so I'll good. So. Say, I, I read that in one sitting cause it's kind of hard to stop. I forced myself. It was really difficult, but I was like, I need to stop. I have to go do the dishes and then I have to go pick up rich from work. This is a good time to stop. I literally <laughs> wanted to bring the Kindle with me. Like, I'm like, you can't drive while you're reading. Like, is there a way that it can read to me while I'm driving? <laughs> I wish yes. I wish more arcs like I wish there were like audiobook arcs. Yes, sometimes just, people just, do them. They do. Oh. It's, mm. it's so the thing is though when they do the audiobook arcs it's of books that have already been out written printed for a true, while. True, true, yeah. true. But like that's so cool. Help, but no. Yeah, no, sure. but I am just like I'm just like oh if like if I could just if I could do this it would it would make things a little bit easier yeah. um to to read them in advance but yeah. I am um... I do text to speech on my Kindle app and that's a, that helps out major for, for me anyways. I didn't know that was, I didn't know that you could do that. I'd be happy to tell you after we're done recording. Is it like a robot voice or does it sound just like conversational? It's not my preferred choice, but (laughs) my lifestyle, Uh, (laughs) it fits my lifestyle at the moment. That's fair. Is it kind of like your nap, like the, the navigation on your phone, like reading to you? Yeah, I mean, it's not like Stephen <laughs> Hawking's bad, but it's like, it's pretty good. I'll have to try it. I'll see. Is that too soon? Because <laughs> he passed away. Okay. Uh, Brennan, what are you reading? We, we were all so like, you know, we, we all had to leave that awkward silence for you to just revel in what you just said. I don't want to do that anymore. Brennan, what are you reading? Um, I just started Sabbath of the Fox Devils by Sam Richard. Actually, we just mentioned Eric, who is absolutely freaking everywhere, by the way. Um, And that book that you guys were talking about is coming out through Weird Punk, which uh, Sam Richard is is publishing it. Um, And Sam is a really great guy and a hell of a writer. And um, for, for this one, it's if you're interested in it, I would almost recommend getting the paperback just because I feel like seeing the cover on your Kindle or on your, you know, whatever device you're reading on, it doesn't do it justice. It's by uh, 
Michael Bukowski, I think it says. Um, and it's just so detailed and gorgeous. I've just, you know, I've been sitting with it in my hand for the last five minutes, just staring at it. Um, but the, he, he describes it as, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's coming of age horror, but, uh, he says it is part splatterpunk take on a goosebumps book. And if that doesn't convince you to read this thing, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to do. That convinced me. <laughs> oh, do I get to revel in my own silence and stupid comments no, no. too? <laughs> no, I didn't think you're. No, your comments were not stupid. No, I, I honestly. What the fuck? I thought you were going to keep going personally, and then the silence was so long that I just left it for a little bit longer just to be funny. But it sounds. Yeah, good. I was. I, I think. I think part of it was because Cassie and I both listed like four or five books, so we weren't sure if if you were if you just focused on the one book or yeah, or I'll, if there was more to, to come. On since uh, we record 27 episodes a week or something like that um <laughs> it, it, it feels silly if i uh you know keep talking about the same book over and over and speaking oh, of Cassie, with uh with your story of you know uh mike thorne's book and the other world i would stay the hell away from tim meyer's malignant summer if I were... <laughs> yes. does it have dream stuff in it yeah, yeah. It's that's it so i've seen the cover and that's it's got a gorgeous cover um and i've read other things by him and i've enjoyed them but i'm gonna be honest with y'all that book is so thick that i'm like mega intimidated and <laughs> sorry i just remembered the malignment summer thing from last time and it made oh, me laugh God damn it, i'm so Brian. sorry so Haley, i don't know if you listened to that episode but last time <laughs> sorry pat but i gotta tell her um oh, pat so was reading he was trying to tell us we were in this section he was trying to tell us what books he was reading he was like oh yeah i've got the new malignment summer and we we all just stopped we were like no nope nope <laughs> <laughs> it's in the outtakes of the uh oh. I loved the it. Anniversary episode. Oh, aren't you glad that you keep bringing me back for these as a guest host? Because I could just bring back all these funny moments. Well, I love you so. <laughs> you're at this point in our life, in my life, our friendship. You're like my uh, sister, so it's like it's I expected. Don't know. It's expected. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. That's what I'm going to think every time I make fun of you. Now I'm going to be like, well, I'm your sister, so you got to deal with that. <laughs> I'm just going to put a dunce hat on the uh, logo. Just to just to be like, hey, heads up! This guy says stupid shit all the time, and they, his co-hosts make fun of him. So, Pat, what are you reading? I am reading right now. I wasn't ready for this, guys. Way to put me on the spot. Nocturnal Blood by uh, Oh God, I'm gonna butcher your name. Brennan, help! I, I believe it's Vic LeMay, but I may Vic, be wrong. Vic LeMay missed. Uh, she's an Icelandic author. She she writes some brutal shit and. She uh, manages to do that with a lot of character-driven uh, stories and narrative. I really enjoy that. I'm reading also Cold in July by Jorah Lansdale. And uh, Eric LaRocca, <laughs> he said hi to you guys. I just messaged him and asked him for the art because I couldn't wait. You guys are talking so highly about him. I'm like, I got to get it. And he said, oh, my God, really? That's so sweet. Tell Haley and Cassie. I said hi. Aw. <laughs> So, yeah, that's all I'm reading. Um, so, I just want to remind everybody, if you are interested in buying my mug on a coffee mug or a mask or a few other things, go to deadheadspace.com where you can find all Deadhead Space-related contents, reviews, and so forth. Uh, and to go to the store, all you got to do is click on the store tab. So, this new fun segment I have, Final Thoughts. It's now Jerry Springer. What, what do you guys got? Anybody doesn't matter at this point, really. 
So I'll jump in and I'll just say, you know, Haley, thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for being so, you know, open and candid and willing to talk about anything we threw at you. Um, and when your Off Limits book comes out in 2022 or your Splatter Western or both, we would love to have you back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you uh, for Ka- having me again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a pleasure, uh, Cassie. Any or Haley? Any final thoughts? My only final thought is that my um, Haley Piper Best Friend Card Membership Club is getting filled up by these episodes. So, <laughs> Haley, as long as you're okay with it, anytime you come back, just let me know, and I will be right here to hang out. And keep I would love company. that. <laughs> and uh, actually get a free sandwich. No, I get oh. no. Then I get to be Haley's best friend if I fill up my oh, card. Yeah, that's even better. That's, better. <laughs> that's way better than a sandwich. It's almost as good as a sandwich. <laughs> almost. almost. <laughs> almost <as good. laughs> so, this episode airs May twenty fourth, which means if you're listening to this now or through the twenty seventh, don't wait. Go on the old Twitter machine, dead he- uh, dead underscore headspace. I'm messing up everything. The username is dead underscore headspace. You can find how the two simple steps, how you can enter your name for a uh, free paperback uh, signed to you if you give us your name. And that is through the curse, uh, the gracious courtesy of Haley. My God, guys are making me so nervous. I can't oh even say God. words right. I had to cover my mouth because I was trying not to giggle because I could tell you were getting more and more like aware just, of how you were talking. I'm just thinking about what is Brendan and Cassie going to say when I'm done talking. No, you were doing great. We were just well, just hanging out. Yeah. And this is a no pressure environment. Yeah. My final thoughts are, Haley, you're a real delight to talk to. And I, from the first time we talked to you to now – and even listening to you on Twitter, you can tell that your confidence is just, you, you, you have no, and I don't mean this in a bad way, you're unapologetic and you're very helpful to uh, big glutes like me and Brennan. So we appreciate that for sure. Aww. But seriously, keep up the great work. And we're very excited to read everything you put out in the future. Thank you. Absolutely. And um, next episode, episode uh, 90, airs this Thursday. That is our first anniversary episode with returning guest host Cassie Daly, Erica Robin, myself, Brennan, and special guest Shane Hawk. They all make a mockery of the episode, including (laughs) myself. Shane is very silly, and I'm just telling everyone ahead of time. And uh, it's a fun time. It was... We already recorded like two weeks ago. It, it, it's just five of us, and it felt perfect for an anniversary episode. So I hope you listen to that. And as far as Haley's stuff, we encourage you to buy all her books. Just do it. They're great. You're not going to regret it. So everybody, thank you for joining. Listeners, Did you I, have many. Wait, are you going to let her let Haley plug her stuff? <laughs> oh, no. What a, <laughs> what a jackass. Go ahead. Buy Haley's stuff. I just so won't sorry. tell you how. No, no. I am sorry. I am just... Ugh. Go ahead, Haley. <laughs> um, you can check out my novellas, The Possession of Nally Glasgow, Benny Rose, The Cannibal King, and The Worm and His Kings. My collection that we've been talking about, Unfortunate Elements of My Anatomy, is out now. You can find me on Twitter at Haley Piper Says, um, on Instagram with at Haley Piper Fights, and my website is www.haleypiper.com. Thank you. And okay, take it away. <laughs> I, I had where can people follow you, but I got so flustered. Oh my goodness. 
<laughs> All I had to say is you have many choices in podcasts. Thank you for uh, thank you for listening to this one. Deadhead space. <laughs> oh man, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Haley, thank you for putting oh, up such a <laughs> It is such a Thursday. You're right. I, mean, I don't know if that was to Haley or to the listeners. <laughs> Which one? The one about like thanking them for listening. They had a lot of choices for podcasts. Well, that's a sign off. That's what he does now. <laughs> <laughs> Should I get a new sign-off? I don't know. I thought it was okay, but then Kathy I, laughed. I understood, that. but it, but I understood, but in that context, it is kind of funny. Because when it started, it was like you have a lot of choices of podcasts. I was like, Haley's very pi- popular, like that popular. Okay, that, Haley's very popular. That's totally true. She does have a lot of like choices for podcasts, and then, oh, he, then he's like, "Thanks for listening to ours." I was like, "Listening? She's on it." So I mixed it. I, I could. Okay. I could have been on any podcast this yeah. Thursday night, but I was on this one. Yes, and it means <laughs> everything to us. Thank you. We're so honored. <laughs>